It's time, D-Heads. Disney Blue presents Disney On Demand. Every week, Disney Blue lets you relive the magic, the movies, and the memories with celebrity guests, the best of classic Disney, and breaking news on Disney's latest. So put on your ears and give it a little bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. Disney Blue's Disney On Demand is on the air! Now, here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. All right, all of you Disney fans, you tuned in for another magical installment of Disney Blues, Diz Radio, and the Diz Radio Show. And this week for show number 175, for the week of April 27th, 2017, even though we're barely out of April, we're going to have fun, think of summer, think of vacations, nostalgia, SNL-style skits, and so much more, as we have none other than the talented, the iconic Damon Pampolina stopping in here at the show. Now, many of you may remember Damon from the all-new Mickey Mouse Club, from the original cast from 1989, kicking off with the all-new Mickey Mouse Club and moving on to the iconic pop group The Party. Yes, with such hits as In My Dreams, Summer Vacation, Free, and so many others. And Damon is going to stop in and talk about a variety of different things. What it was like being part of this iconic pop band in The Party. His favorite parts of being part of The Party, memories from the all-new Mickey Mouse Club, his favorite skits, how he got involved into this, what is he working on now, and of course, the elusive... 30th anniversary reunion that is coming up for the Mickey Mouse Club in just under a few years. And Damon's going to stop in, chat with all of us, and have a fun romp as we go through nostalgia, the future, and so much more. In addition, no show would be complete without the D-Team, and we are scarce here on the D-Team here this week. Not sure what's going on, if everybody's on spring break, they're having fun, who knows, but fear not, you have the questions, he has the answers, and Aaron is going to answer all your questions, and I want to know. We also have Paige with a symphony for your ears in the Magical Music Review, and we have Dominic going with this week's Short Leash to chain you up and give you those tips and tricks for your short trip to the Walt Disney World Resort. We have all kinds of news hot off the D-Wire, from Star Wars to Disney Channel, Animal Kingdom, Avatar, and so much more. So before we jump into this week's show, jump into that early summer vacation, I do want to mention that DizRadio.com is probably sponsored by Castle and Dreams Travel. And Castle and Dreams Travel is a 100% free planning agency. They're going to help you plan, book, and prepare and make the most magical vacation that you could possibly have for your Walt Disney World vacation. They have bilingual experts to help you with that language barrier, and they're going to treat you like family. They're going to open up their arms, walk you through the process, and treat you like that cousin that they love and they want to have the most magical vacation that they could possibly have. So definitely check them out. Castle and Dreams Travel, the official sponsor of Diz Radio. So all of you D-heads, with that said, as I mentioned, even though we're just getting out of April, we're going to have some fun. We're going to go back to those nostalgic days of the Mickey Mouse Club, the party, and so much more. So how fitting then to jump into that summer vacation for the week of April 27th, 2017, show number 175. And here we go. Let's take it away. Here we go. Here we go. Here we And here we go. It's cool bugging you like it's bugging me. Woo, indubitably. Man, I tell you, you know, it's just all these finals. I'm ready for summer. I'm ready for the good time, the stupid rhyme, and all the females out there, you know? Well, I understand what you're saying. So why don't we just kick the ballistics and come get stupid. 
stupid. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying because you know, just the other day, yo, I was clowning in class like I usually do. Girls on my Tinder ain't nothing new. Haven't hit a book since I don't know when. Looks like a cram such is about to begin. Now, everyone's sweating cause finals are here. But I'm getting real sick because summer's near. I started my old countdown, it's in effect for just one week to yell, I jet. Gotta get up, gotta get up. Girls in bikinis make me lose direction One more tardy and I'm on suspension Was spotted at the beach and now I'm in detention Can't be doing time cause I lose my tan Summer school's not in the master plan Got places to go, my homies and me And wherever we are will be the place to G Gotta get up, gotta get up, Yeah. Move on and bust out. Bust out. 
troopers and their dealings with dressed envelope to Davis and Kirk. Right down that. <laughs> Let's see what questions we have on the little viewfinder. Who is Damon's first love? Who is my first love? We'll take it right there. Um, I have, a very, I have a very good memory. Actually, I remember my first love. It was first grade, and her name was April. Where did she get her clothes? Most of my clothes, I, I can't say a certain where they come from, a certain shop, a certain, even a certain city, because within all the traveling we do, it's kind of like I pick up a few things here and there. Is Chase's hair natural? Oh, yeah. Is my hair natural? Is my hair natural? What is going on in my hair, and how long has it been growing, right? Oh, dear. Well, as you know, uh, I've been through many hairstyles. And um, I kind of just gave up. That's the real answer. All right, and it is natural. It's real color, I promise. Originally from the new Mickey Mouse Club. You might remember the party. This is Disney on Demand. It's Disney Blues. Disney on Demand. You hear that? It's the winds of change. Here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. All right, all of you D-heads, so I am back, and I hope you enjoyed the official kickoff for show number 175 for the week of April 27th, 2017, as we're getting ready to go back to that day of the all-new Mickey Mouse Club, great groups like The Party, and of course, looking into the future with the 30th anniversary of the MMC, as we have Damon Pampolina stopping in here this week. That's right, we're getting ready for Damon to stop in. We have the D-team with Aaron. Paige and Dominic all stopping in here with signature segments and all kinds of fun. So before I jump into that news hot off the D-wire, I do want to give you all the different ways you can stay connected here at the show to kick everything off. And remember, first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at DizRadio.com, D-I-Z Radio. There you can find our full list of past shows, the complete podcast archives, our latest news blogs, and more right there on our official website at DizRadio.com, D-I-Z Radio. And you can also connect with us all over the social media outlets on Facebook at facebook.com slash show. That's D-I-Z radio S-H-O-W. And remember, this is our all-new 
Facebook page since our other one got hacked and deleted. So help us rebuild that, all of you D-heads. So Facebook.com slash Diz Radio Show. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and many other places. Just search Disney On Demand, Diz Radio, or Disney Blue, all of which are going to help you find our fun, magical, unique different kind of Disney show. And remember, you need the magic and you need my ramblings in your ears instantly, right away every single week. It is super easy. All you have to do is go to iTunes or Stitcher Radio and search Disney On Demand, Disney Blue, that's B-L-U, or Diz Radio, D-I-Z Radio, and search our show and subscribe right there. You can get the latest shows on your iPhone, your Android, your tablet, right away to listen to so you can hear my voice yakety-yak in your ear right away as soon as it gets released. Well, and the D-team and the celebrity guests. But anyways, all of you D-heads, if I said too much, too fast here, all you have to do is go to DizRadio.com, D-I-Z-Radio.com, and you can find all of these links there as well, including ways to connect up with the D-team, connect up with us, and so much more. So, all of you D-heads, with that said, I am going to jump into the news hot off the D-wire, and the first bit of news that I want to jump off on the wire with is... Here at the show, yes, Diz Radio, we are currently putting out an all call for anybody that wants to get involved here at Disney On Demand. Yes, we want to find somebody who loves Disney, you want to get involved with the show, and we're looking for people to pick up new segments, new things, and really get involved and join up with us here at Disney On Demand as part of the D-Team. So if this is calling out to you, you want to find out more about it, all you have to do is drop us a line, go to our website at DizRadio.com, drop us a line, and uh, hopefully start up the connection and join up with us and our crazy family here as part of the D-Team. So with that out of the way now, of course, the in-house news here, let's jump into the regular news. And how about the Walt Disney World Resort really wants you to make sure that you cannot smoke marijuana in their parks. Yes, with the passing of the amendment number two, it would appear that Walt Disney World wants to make sure that you know that under no circumstances you can spark up some weed, some marijuana, a doobie in their park. Yes, Walt Disney World Resort recently updated their rules page for the first time ever, and it specifically listed marijuana under its list of prohibited items right along with booze, yes, and alcohol. Until now, marijuana fell under the illegal substances umbrella on the Disney prohibited items page. But with medical marijuana soon to be available in some form or another, being debated over time here, it would appear that the company really wants to take a proactive and looking into the future approach with this issue. They've already stated that so far, they want to just really nip this one in the bud instantly. Now, if somebody does qualify for medical marijuana in the state of Florida, it would appear that Disney wants you to pretty much mellow out or... Uh, do it beforehand, but let's just say it is officially listed now, no matter what, on the rules page that marijuana is prohibited right along with bringing alcohol into the parks. Now, moving aside here, let's get into other things going on on, I guess, the rules, the regulations, construction side, and how about Reedy Creek selecting a builder for the third parking garage at Disney Springs? It appears that the Walt Disney World's plans for the third parking garage, as previously reported by the Orlando Business Journal, now has a builder attached to it. The Reedy Creek Improvement District has selected Finfrock Construction Incorporated to provide $58 million worth of design and building services to build a new parking structure, designed to provide an exceptional guest experience, as they put it, according to Finfrock Construction's official press release. Now, this is a significant project for Finfrock and will be one of the largest parking lot structures that it has built in a single phase, the company has reported. Now, the Reedy Creek Improvement District, the taxing district in which Walt Disney World resides, filed a permit application on October 14th for Disney Springs and a third parking lot garage, 
listed in the documents as Garage A3. Now this would be built across from the marketplace's Lime Parking Garage. Now the permit is seeking to allow a new parking garage on the south side of Buena Vista Drive between the entrances of 1 and 2 of Disney Springs. Now new driveways are going to be constructed as well to provide access to the garage and a new pond is also being proposed as well according to the documents. Now this is brand new coming on board and since Disney Springs continues to get bigger and bigger, parking is always something that is really important and needed. Now if you've been in the dark, and maybe you're just a fluke Disney fan, maybe you're tuning in just because, you know, you found us on the web or who knows what. Disney Springs is the dining, entertainment, and retail marketplace that is adding new restaurants, stores, and so much more. They have Levi's, Coca-Cola, Planet Hollywood, wine bars, and so much more there. So if you've been under a rock, Disney Springs is definitely the place to be. Now, moving into the small screen, the big screen, the any kind of screen it takes to watch something, how about Frozen 2 getting a release date? Yes, Disney has officially announced November of 2019's schedule. Disney recently revealed the schedules for its lineup films for 2019, which includes Frozen 2. The sequel has a release date in the later part of November of 2019. Now, fans have still waited for the return of Anna and Elsa to the big screen. Now, as much as some of you are frozen out, Many people still love Frozen, and come on, it is a great Disney entity. You gotta remember, as we get older, think of the kids. I know my kids, they love Frozen. They are excited for the sequel. Now, Disney Animation took to its official Twitter page this week to announce the release date for Frozen 2. It said the sequel is coming to the theaters November 27th of 2019. Now, the studio did not reveal further details about the film, like schedules, cast, updates, plot details, or anything else. They just wanted to give you the hint that, yes, it's coming, and it is on the horizon. Now, I'm sure that people like Indina Menzel, like Kristen Bell, Josh Gad, are all going to reprise their roles as well. Now, the first film enthralled viewers in 2013 and quickly became a massive hit. It won Oscars for Best Original Song for Let It Go, Best Animated Feature, and even after it opened in theaters, the film retained its popularity for so many other things all the way through to 2015. Now, details, like I said, I haven't been released so far, but now you can get ready to put it on your radar that Frozen 2 is coming of November 2019. Now, getting back to Florida, getting back to Orlando and that kind of thing, maybe you lived in that area. How about the Miami Children's Museum is launching a brand new exhibit based on Disney Junior's hit series, The Lion Guard. Yes, and it's opening January of 2018. Miami Children's Museum will launch the first ever museum exhibit based on Disney Junior's hit series, The Lion Guard, which continues the epic storytelling of The Lion King and follows the adventures of Kion, the second-born cub of Simba and Nala. And this is a diverse group of friends that continues to, I guess, protect, problem-solve, and so much more within the Pride Land. Now, this is going to be all new for the museum, kicking off in January of 2018, and it's going to be going on for six months and then travel to other children's museums all the way through 2022. Now, spotlighting important learning areas such as social and self-development, problem-solving, creative thinking, arts, and culture this one-of-a-kind exhibit is going to bring the Lion Guard story to life for young children and their families. And I love the Lion Guard. It is such a fun show. And of course, come on, you can't get that theme song out of your head, right? Come on, we all want to sing the Lion Guard. I mean, it's just one of those things that you can't help but sing along. 
Now, as the CEO and executive director of the Miami Children's Museum has released, Deborah Spingelman, she said, we are honored to be working with Disney on this unique exhibit for children and families that will encompass important learning areas such as social and self-development. Now, helping kids learn to appreciate teamwork and recognize that teamwork and many attributes contribute to being a strong leader is as important as development and working together. Now, this is going to be a really fun exhibit. I think it's going to be great. I mean, something like this, I love going to children's museums and, you know, these are just ways to get kids to interact other than sitting on a device, an iPad, an iPhone. So if you are in the area, Miami Children's Museum, January 2018, a Lion Guard exhibit is officially kicking off. Now, getting to the big screen, and how about a little bit of sad news here, and how about Disney's miracle actor, yes, from the film Miracle, Michael Mantenuto, has been found dead at age 35. Now, Michael Mantenuto, an actor and hockey player who starred in Disney's 2004 film Miracle, has passed away at the age of 35. He died this last Monday of an apparent suicide, according to TMZ, and was found in his car by police. Now, TMZ did report how the actor died, but I'm not going to say that here on the show because it already is sad news, and I know we have all ages of D-Head listeners out there. But Miracle, the film, if you do recall, tells the story of the U.S. men's hockey team that won the gold medal at the 1980 Winter Olympics. Now, the America's victory was over the heavily favored Soviet team, and it was dubbed the Miracle on Ice. Now, the United States would go on to beat Finland and win the gold in that Olympic series. Now, Mantenuto played Jack O'Callaghan, a member of the U.S. team who injures his knee, but returns to the rink to take on the Soviets and make a key shot that leads to the U.S. goal. Now, Kurt Russell and Patricia Clarkson also starred in the movie, so it is a bit of sad news that he has gone ahead and taken his life so young. Now, since we are talking about the big screen, and how about let's tie the big screen into attractions, and how about surprise, surprise, Johnny Depp, truly is Jack Sparrow. Yes, some visitors to the Pirates of the Caribbean ride at California's Disneyland got a surprise this last week as Captain Jack Sparrow was there himself and in person. Johnny Depp donned the getup of Jack Sparrow in his swashbuckling alter ego and interacted with riders this last Wednesday. Now, videos were taken by park goers and shared all over social media as Depp was chatting with fans as they passed on by the boats and rode the attraction. Now, he also spoke to the crowd outside as well. Now, of course, this is a great promo piece and a way to really hype up the film, and I'm sure that that did have something to do with it. But Depp does return to the big screens as Jack Sparrow next month in the fifth film-based installment of the Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales, which is opening May 26th after premiering at Shanghai Disneyland on May 11th. Now, since we are talking about premieres here, let's get to the small screen and small screen premieres. And how about Disney to premiere The Descendants sequel across five different networks? Now, the Disney Channel is giving a big push to its sequel, The Descendants movie, in July, premiering simultaneously on five television networks and online. Now, Disney said that Descendants 2 will air on July 21st on ABC, the Disney Channel, Lifetime, Freeform, and Disney XD, as well as those networks and their supporting apps. Now, the original Descendants, about teenage sons and daughters of some of the Disney villains, was ranked the fifth highest most-watched cable TV movie of all time. And I did mention this last week here at the show, that those numbers are just through the roof. Now, they are giving this big push, and they really want to make sure that it is going to just continue to soar and be big. And five networks simultaneously, any channel you turn it on that night, it is going to be on. And finally, all of you D-heads... We all love a galaxy far, far away. We all love Star Wars. And how about Build-A-Bear Workshop is releasing a Star Wars bear and an R2-D2 plush. Yes, just in time for May the 4th be with you. Everybody is ready 
for Star Wars. They are all ready for the fun, the hype, the uh, excitement that goes along with Star Wars, myself included. So now if you go to the Build-A-Bear workshop and you want to build something special, you can build an R2-D2 or a Star Wars bear. And with that, all of you D-heads, this last week I was at the C2E2 event. Yes, the Chicago Comics and Entertainment Expo was fantastic. And this last weekend, I took my children to it, their very first convention to go with Dad here, of course. And we had a fantastic time. Now, I'm not going to give you a huge rundown of everything here. I have a lot of fun things on the horizon that is coming. But it is a fantastic romp. We had a chance to catch up with our past guest that helped us celebrate our seven-year anniversary, Jim Cummings. We also had a chance to catch up with Steve Bloom. Yes, Carabast. Yes, I'm talking about Zeb from Star Wars Rebels and many others, including Jennifer Hale, yes, a.k.a. Cinderella, and many other great people. So it was a fantastic romp. I just got to say thank you to everybody who I had a chance to meet, hang out with, talk with, all the celebrities, voice actors, and of course, all of you D-heads out there who met up with me as well on that Sunday afternoon. So all of you D-heads, I'm going to wrap up news here. That's going to do it here as we continue to press on for show number 175 for the week of April 27th, 2017. As yes, you have the questions, he has the answers, and Aaron is going to answer all those questions in I Want to Know. We also have Dominic with the shortly. She's going to hook you up, get you ready, and give you those tips and trips for a short trip to the Walt Disney World Resort. And we have Paige with the symphony for your ears with the magical music review as we gear up for none other yes than damon pampolina from the all-new mickey mouse club the party and so much more as he's going to be stopping in here chatting with us and taking that trip down memory lane and of course into the future so before i let you go and release those reins to the d team i do want to mention that DizRadio.com is probably sponsored by castle and dreams travel and castle and dreams travel is 100 free agency they're going to help you plan, book, and prepare, treat you like family, open up their arms, give you that big hug, and help you make the most magical vacation that you could possibly have. They have bilingual experts to help you with any language barriers and so much more. So definitely check them out. Castle and Dreams Travel, the official sponsor of Diz Radio. So all of you D-heads, with that said, it is time to continue on, press on with the magic, the memories, and all the different fun for show number 175 for the week of April 27th, 2017. And, you know, I'm feeling a little hungry. I feel like I could use some, you know, some chicken and biscuits. Take it away, team. Now it's time for something non-fattening and packed with energy. Buttermilk biscuits. Use buttermilk biscuits to clean your plate. You eat them in the morning, you eat them at 
This is the Disney MGM Studios theme park at Walt Disney World in Florida. Now, these people have come here by planes, trains, automobiles, and monorails, and they're about to have the feeling they're not in Kansas anymore. Hi, I'm Fred Newman, and I'm going to show you what makes this place different than anything you've ever experienced. Here, the magic of the movies comes to life right before your eyes, and it all begins just inside this gate. At the Disney MGM Studio theme park, guests gain admission to a dream factory, where the working film and television studio creates entertainment destined for the world's airwaves and movie screens, where a theme park built in the style of Hollywood's heyday ushers guests into a world of classic movies and movie characters. You'll think you've stepped right through the silver screen. This is Lindsay Alley from the all-new Mickey Mouse Club, and you're listening to Disney On Demand. No matter what flag you pledge under, we're all the same. All this world needs is a little peace, love, and understanding. Oh. 
name, I ain't no sign, but I'm tired of wearing black We need unity to stop all the nonsense, we don't need blood, we need the violence to cease How many brothers have to come up DC? Cause of BS and let's get along, come together and sing the same song You say fight, I will if I can, I'll do anything to help out my fellow man Paint the lyrics that we're saying, give a little peace, love and understanding Stop the violence questions we have answers let's dip our hands into the virtual mailbag and uncover the truth in i want to know hey d heads this is aaron and it's time again for another installment of i want to know sorry i missed last week but i was a little under the weather and i had no voice but i'm back this week and ready to answer your questions virtual mailbag is full so let's reach in and see what we have for this week Our first question is from Lance Ferguson of Detroit, Michigan. He writes, My question for you, Diz Radio, is about the Enchanted Tiki Room. Are many of the gods they portray real tiki gods? If so, are the totems seeing the actual tikis that were worshipped? Thank you for the help, Aaron. I always loved the tiki gods of the Enchanted Tiki Room. They were inspired by South Pacific legends and designed by Imagineers Mark Davis and Raleigh Crump. Marty Scalar wrote the dialogues and the plaques, and the name of the gods are as follows. And bear with me, D-heads, I'll try not to massacre the names too bad. Paley is a Hawaiian goddess who lives in the volcano and likes to torment her neighbor. Nagindi from Fiji, he's the creator of all the gods. He's also got a big job as bouncer of the whole world, that pressure, combined with the torment he suffers from Paley, it's no wonder there's an earthquake every time he moves. And then Maui, which we know from the new movie Moana, he's the Polynesian trickster who gave people time and roped the playful sun. Rongo, the Polynesian god of agriculture, also known as Lona in Hawaii, is also the provider of food. 
He's also discovered electricity naturally. Koro, the midnight dancer, under whose spell all ladies and men learned to dance. Tangaru Ru, also known as Mapui Kafanga in Moraro Tales, is a goddess of the east winds, which bring rain. Hina Kaluaua is Hawaiian mistress of rain from Hilo, Hawaii, keeps it in the family. Her daughter Hina is the mother of the trickster Maui. Tangaru, the father of all gods and goddesses, he took the form of a tree. Well, hopefully that answers your question. Well, our next question is from Gabriella of Alabama, and she writes, Diz Radio and the D-Team, really loved your guys' guest spot on the fellow podcast last weekend. Was fun to put a face to the show. This question is for Aaron of the D-Team. I really enjoy the original Disney nature series from when Walt was alive, and really love the new Disney nature films. How many Disney nature films are released? I think I have them all, but I feel like I'm still missing one or two. Also, which one is your favorite? Mine was the last one, Monkey Kingdom. Keep the magic alive. Well, I grew up watching and loving the True Life Adventure series. Disney Nature is an independent film unit of the Walt Disney Studios that produces nature documentary films. The production company was founded on April 21st, 2008 and is headquartered in Paris, France. Disney veteran Jean Francois Camarelli, who also serves as Senior Vice President and General Manager for Walt Disney Studios Motion Pictures France, heads the unit. My favorite is Earth, which was released on April 22, 2009. It was narrated by James Earl Jones. I just love his voice. Well, the other films are The Crimson Wing, Mystery of the Flamingos, released September 25, 2009, and narrated by Mariella Frostra. Oceans was released April 22, 2010, and narrated by Pierce Brosnan. Wings of Life was narrated by Meryl Streep, and was released May 16, March 16, 2011. African Cats was narrated by Samuel L. Jackson and was, and was released April 22, 2011. Chimpanzee was released on April 20, 2012 and narrated by Tim Allen. Bears was released on April 18, 2014 and was narrated by John C. Riley. Monkey Kingdom was narrated by Tina Fey and released April 20, April 17, 2015. Growing Up Wild was released on December 6, 2016 and narrated by David Diggs. And the newest one, Born in China, released on April 21, was narrated by John Krasinski. And then Dolphins is slated to be released on April 20th 2018. Well, our final question is from Mark Suter of Oregon, and he writes, Aaron and the D-Team, great podcast. 
recently found it and just am amazed by the guests, segments, and fun y'all bring to the podcast. My question is about Animal Kingdom. The right dinosaur used to be called something else, I swear. I've been looking online and can't seem to find anything other than that on it. Am I looking in the wrong places? I swear it was originally called something else when the park opened. Thanks for the probably easy help from you. Well, originally, it was called Countdown to Extinction. The ride's name was later changed to Dinosaur to promote the Disney animated film of the same name. Even though the attraction has never contained an explicit reference to the film. However, the two dinosaurs most prominently featured in the ride have always been the Iguanodon and the Carnotaurus, which was both featured prominently in the film. Scenes from the movie also appear in the pre-show to help the guest identify the Iguanodon as the film's protagonist, Aladon. Well, D-Heads, that concludes another installment of I Want to Know. Thanks for the great questions and keep them coming. Send all your questions or comments to Aaron, E-R-I-N, at DizRadio.com. Make sure to include your name and city so I can give you credit. And remember, D-Heads, laughter is timeless, imagination has no age, and dreams are forever. We'll see you next week, D-Heads. You know, one thing that really amazes us is all the cool places we get letters from. I mean, we get letters from Malaysia, Thailand, Indonesia. It's so cool. Cleveland? <laughs> um, our first letter comes from us from... Her name is Becky Gabonich from Berkurgi, Pennsylvania. Now, Becky asks... Excuse me, Jason. I'm sorry. Where was your favorite place on tour? And we've been on a few tours, and I think my most favorite place was Texas. I don't know about anybody else. <laughs> but... Mainly because we did a show there in Houston, and uh, it was my hometown, He's and it precious. was really it's great. You know? Paris for me, Paris for me. I like Europe. Right. Europe, just whole, the whole Europe trip was like, yeah. I don't know, just a different language and you know, accents know, and great people. And... I'd have to say uh, the best place was Chicago because it's just a wonderful city. I used to live there in Geno's East. You know, it's a beautiful place. I think Hawaii was cool. Hawaii was great. I think I saw the most beautiful sunset in Hawaii. You know, Becky, I think the answer is, I love touring, period. Uh, Chase loves to read, and um, he's a very good student, and um, he's he's very funny. No, he's not very funny. My name is Chase. All right, guys, I got a letter here. It's from Karen, my dear. She's from Claremont, California. She writes, Chase, what's your full name? Jason Cornhampton. You guys, I got a letter from Jenny Greenaway from Crystal Lake, Illinois. And she asks, are Albert Chase and Damon best friends? No. 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 Yeah, we love each other. These are my best friends. We're just close. This letter comes from Josephine Urbina from Fontana, California. And she asks, Dear the party, I really like your music. Do you ever get sick of singing? I don't. Do you all? Um, I, I don't think I get sick of singing. I love singing. I don't get tired of singing. You get tired of singing? Sometimes I do. <laughs> no, I don't get tired of singing, but I do get tired of singing the same songs every night. But I could never get tired of performing. That's for sure. 
That's what's up with the party. Uh, what we're going to do right now is take the party phase. Here are our fave TV shows. It was a toss-up between Different World and In Living Color. Dee Dee likes Wonder Years. Chase likes In Living Color. Tip likes Arsenio. And Damon likes Saturday Night Live. So if you want to drop us a line, write to the party. P.O. Box 2510, Los Angeles, California, 90078. That's what's up with us this week, and we'll see you later. <laughs> we out here. Talk to you. My name is Nikki Deloach from the new Mickey Mouse Club, MTV's Awkward, and the Hallmark Channel, and you are listening to Disney On Demand. Who let the dogs out? Hello, everybody. This is Dominic, and welcome to another edition of Disney Short Leash. If you're new to this segment, a short leash isn't a collar strong enough to keep you from a Dole Whip. No, the short leash is a series of tips for people to get the most out of their Walt Disney World vacation when they are short on time or short on money. With any luck, you may be able to try some of these suggestions and quite possibly do as much, if not more, than someone vacationing with a greater amount of time or a larger budget. For the first couple weeks, we've been very general, so today we're going to get into some specific food tips for a short leash trip. Now, as I have said many times before, we are a family who goes to Walt Disney World primarily for the attractions. On a short leash trip, we are definitely trying to get the most out of our park ticket money. There's a $55 difference between the price of a two-day ticket and that of a 10-day ticket, so on a short leash trip, time literally is money. For that reason, meals become tricky on a short leash trip. Disney meals, at certain places, can be extremely yummy. Just ask my wife, the food can literally be incredible, and I actually believe that she goes to vacation with the food versus vacationing with me. I am there to pay the bill and stay out of the way. So stay tuned for a Ride Nothing, Eat Everything short leash segment sometime in the future, and I bet she'll be the one hosting it. Besides being extremely yummy, Disney restaurants can be extremely well-themed. Be Our Guest, Cinderella's Royal Table, T-Rex and its Rainforest Cousin, the Sci-Fi Dine-In, 50's Primetime Cafe, just to name a few. These are among those places that even if the food isn't the greatest, it's worth it for the I'll Try It Once experience to dine there. So Disney restaurants are yummy, they're well-themed, but they're also very entertaining. Whether it's a hoop-de-doo review, a character dining experience, a piano-playing showman named Bob, a tropical feast of fire and hula dancing, your meal actually become the side dish to the attraction. Despite all these positives, on a short leash trip we rarely indulge in these types of dining experience for a couple of reasons. First, we're there a lot, so we've done the once-in-a-lifetime experiences and don't need to rehash some of those. Everyone should dine at Cinderella's Royal Table. 
once. After you paid too much to eat too little, you can cross that off the list and move on with your life. 30 trips in, and there's many places that just fall into the been there, done that category. Other reasons these restaurants seldom make the short leash cut are the expense and the time. I've mentioned it before, but sit-down meals kill time. A table service place could cost you two hours of park time. I won't rehash the math of the park time dollar amount you're losing, and even if you don't want to think that deeply into the value of your ticket, it's just obvious that spending time eating is time you could be spending on attractions. If I was going to kill some time with a special meal, it'd certainly be at a place that is either well-themed or has a show to go with it. On a short trip, I'd make such an event the yummy centerpiece of my travel days when I actually don't have park tickets to burn. While hoboing around the resorts, I might take in a dinner show or a character dining experience. Maybe I'll hop to Disney Springs and spend some time at Morimoto's or Splitsville. It's a day I don't have a park ticket, so no harm, no foul. We get to experience some Disney magic while not burning park time. Know that those dining experiences usually don't come cheap, so maybe you're hesitant to pay more than you would for a normal dinner out. But on a day where nothing else is planned, something like a dinner show or a character dining experience can be a special Disney event for your family for much less money than the cost of the park ticket for that non-park day. So how do we manage food on a park day? Well, we use a combination of hotel meals, snacks, and liners. That's a lunch dinner. Kind of like a brunch, but not because it's later and usually doesn't have all-you-can-eat bacon. On a short trip, when we stay off property, one of the main reasons we do so is the included breakfast buffet. We have found the nearby suite as a great spread and it's open early and that saves us time because we can eat and still make it to the parks before rope drop. Buffets, of course, are great because everybody gets as much as they want of whatever they want and they can also take a small or uh, rather large snack with them for later. We have each of our kids carry a water hydration backpack that we fill up throughout the day with three cups of ice water and you can get them at most of the counter service places. We have also been known to hang out so long at Epcot's Club Cool trying out the various sodas that we're pushing the boundaries of goodwill and manners. That will save us a good chunk of money and definitely get us through to a late lunch. Why a late lunch? Well, because people eat lunch at noon. If we can pack a snack and get us to about 2 o'clock or so, we don't have to deal with long food lines. When we do do lunch, it's at a counter service place where you can eat lots of food for not too much money. Those restaurants tend to be a place that has many options and enough infrastructure to move a lot of people in a short amount of time. Now granted, this is a food is park fuel versus food is a relaxing vacation dining event, but as luck would have it, some of our family's favorite spots to eat, such as Cosmic Rays or Pecos Bill at the Magic Kingdom, and Sunshine Seasons at Epcot fit the bill nicely. Also, some of our favorite table service restaurants like Yak and Yeti at Animal Kingdom, the Brown Derby at Hollywood Studios, and Nine Dragons at Epcot have counter service counterparts where you can quickly get some more upscale cuisine if you're getting burned out on burgery traditional park fare. The cool thing is this is no culinary compromise. These are places where we like to eat on any trip anyway. We really do like the food better at a lot of counter service restaurants than many of the table service options available. And the fact that they are fast and often cheaper is just a lucky bonus. This big late lunch might be enough to get us through the evening without a huge dinner. All you might need at this point is a little late night snack, and that may suffice. It will definitely get you through the dinner crowd. So at 7 or 8 p.m., if you still need a meal, you're past the normal dinner crowd, so it's a perfect time to grab a meal before a fireworks show to gas you up, sometimes literally, to give you some energy to get you past midnight. So on a short leash trip, we try for quick meals and line avoidance, but with enough time, Disney dining can become the focus of a trip. On long vacations, my wife starts to plan where we're eating each day, and that becomes the outline of where we'll be for the whole vacation. Now, you could make dining the focus on a short leash trip too, 
I'm just not convinced you'd want to choose to go that route. Let's face it, it's pretty expensive to go to a theme park resort and to burn so much of your limited time on restaurants, I'm not sure if that's the best idea. I mean, that's something you'd do at your local town center mall, but not when there's mountains to splash, space, or mine. Or thunder, I knew I forgot one. So grabbing some good food on the go without making a huge dent in your wilder schedule, well that's short leash people. I hope you enjoyed the tip. I do have an official Diz Radio email, so I'd love to hear from you with a hi, some questions, suggestions, or even your own short leash tip at dominic at dizradio.com. That's D-O-M-E-N-I-C at dizradio.com. I can also be found on the internet on Twitter at at WDWPlantoons and on YouTube and your favorite podcast apps by searching WDWPlantoons or visiting Plantoons.com. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening. This fall, there's only one place to tune in for the coolest, Dig. the craziest, chill, the hip hoppinest, still the power of the music I'm making, stuff on the tube, the Disney Channel. Let's watch. Then the kids rage on in an all-new season. Right. And the concert jams on with two new band members. Ladies and gentlemen. Get down to the place where action never ends. Kids Incorporated. Then. I promise you, we do not work for a television show. Say, say. Hang with the coolest crew when an all-new season of the Mickey Mouse Club begins. We get it, we get it, we get it. What? Slamming music, killer comedy, and hot videos. Mouse Club, the Disney Channel Afternoons. Where else can you find so much great stuff to watch? You got me, bud. I don't have a clue. Weekdays starting at 4 p.m. Eastern and Pacific. It's Quack Attack, followed by Jump, Rattle, and Roll, then Kids Incorporated, and the Mickey Mouse Club.
Camera, action! It's time for this week's Disney On Demand special guest. All right, all you Disney fans, you tuned in for another magical installment here at DizRadio.com. And with us here, as you continue to bring the magic and memories from your lifetime of Disney, many times those are ones that you grew up with in their television. You rushed home from school, you watched a lot of different things, or maybe you were just dancing out at the clubs or having fun. And with us here this week is somebody that's no stranger to the show. He's been here in the past. Many of his colleagues and people that he's worked with over the years have been here on the show as well. We have none other than the iconic, the one from the party, the all-new Mickey Mouse Club, Damon Pampolina here. Welcome to Disney On Demand. How are you, sir? It is our pleasure having you on. I mean, somebody, I guess, with your legacy, somebody that everybody loves, the all-new Mickey Mouse Club. They love the party. You know, many of us grew up watching that stuff, myself being comparable in age as you as well. You know, it's one of those things where everybody loved it. Now, the one thing I love to start off with is what led you down the road of, like, acting and getting involved with the all-new MMC? First off, man, thank you so much for having me on. It's an honor, and we appreciate all the kind words. I wasn't expecting all that, buddy. Um, <laughs> I appreciate it. Uh, you know, it was something that was definitely internal and in my DNA because I was uh, gravitating to music and performing at a very young age. Uh, my father was a mobile DJ when I was about uh, six. And he would bring me to his events, uh, especially the high school dances that he did at the local church. And uh, he was just doing it as a hobby, and he would bring me along. And, and that's really where I started cutting my teeth and performing and then got the reaction from the older high school girls and started uh, falling in love with the uh, performing side of, of uh, the entertainment industry, if you will. And then there was local talent shows in my elementary school. And a, a, a mother there started up a child agency. And got me involved, and it started from there, and then it was local commercials, print work, things like this, and then went on the audition in Dallas for a movie called, uh, it was going to be called Why Because We Like You. Casting director Matt Casella was doing this one, uh, and it was about the original show in the 50s, and they were going to bring a movie back. Um, and he said, you know, you don't look like any of the originals, but you would be great for another project that's coming up. It's a variety show, and I'm going to keep you in mind. And six months later, went back to Dallas, auditioned for Matt again for the Mickey Mouse Club. About three weeks later, screen tested in Orlando, Florida at the MGM Studios, and then the rest is history. Um, and it started from there. And needless to say, the show was really my first big contract project. Everything prior was local and regional stuff here in Houston. Well, you know, and it went on to be so huge, especially that, that 89 cast. I'd say 89 to 92 to me is the true all-new MMC. That is like, you know, I mean, a lot of great stars came after that, but you guys were the core cast. And it was just one of those things where it really was a new birth of a generation, something where kids could, you know, come home, relate to you guys, and really have fun. And you were part of an all-new studio with MGM Studios. What was it? What was it like going there, knowing you're going to be the third incarnation of the Mickey Mouse Club and being part of an all-new studio? Yes, thank you again uh, for the for the kind words. And, you know, it's a brotherhood. Uh, it's kind of like a Saturday Night Live for kids. The careers that have spun off from this entertainment nucleus have been pretty phenomenal. Some of the biggest pop stars in the world. Um, but very proud and honored to say was part of the original cast. We did the pilot. We set the foundation for the fan base. 
And so I appreciate that acknowledgement. We were there for the opening of the MGM Studios. Um, that was a phenomenal event because here we were at about 11 years old, thrown into the studio. Man, I mean, from dance rehearsal, singing rehearsal, acting lessons, all this stuff was going on. Grand opening of the studios. We're in our little tuxedo tails and limousines, and we go through the red carpet, um, and it was a phenomenal event to be a part of. And, of course, Disney history. Uh, it was it was just amazing, amazing, especially at that age. You know, you're 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 still just this young adult, and uh, such magnitude coming at you from from the opening of a grand studio like MGM. It was pretty phenomenal. Well, you know, and with that too, you know, being part of this, you know, huge MGM studios, and of course, being part of the all new MMC, working with all this, uh, the cast and the crew. I guess, what was your favorite part doing these shows, these variety shows? Was it the skits or just the off camera hijinks that would happen, or you know, who knows what? I guess, what really set that stage of the memories that you have when you're going to write Damon's book, you're like, these have to make it in. Um, we, oh, where do I begin? The behind the scenes was amazing because we did become a very close-knit family. Uh, the chemistry and the bond that was there was just unbelievable. Um, friendships that will last a lifetime between my buddies Chase Hampton and, and Albert Fields, along with so many others. Uh, that was probably the highlight of this project. But then the MGM Studios was our <laughs> was our playground. We were able to just access the park whenever we wanted. So uh, that was pretty incredible. I guess um, I would say that that that's definitely a part of my childhood that was just uh, phenomenal that I'll never forget. As far as the show's concerned, it was the musical performances in front of a live audience that was my favorite. If I had to pinpoint one particular element of doing the show, those live performances uh, in front of a live audience, the music performances is just, it was awesome. That was incredible. Well, you know, and I could just imagine the energy from something like that and, you know, feeding off this live audience and things like that. Now, I guess with that and being in front of a live audience, I guess how many rehearsal uh, shows did you guys do and how much prep time did you have? Yeah, great question. You know, it really hasn't been attempted since, to my knowledge, it was a five-day-a-week variety show. These sitcoms and shows that we saw uh, growing up, it took them six, seven years before they would hit 150 episodes or something of this nature, right? Because it was a one show a week. In about a year and a half, we hit 150 episodes uh, because it was a five-day-a-week variety show. So rehearsal was constant. You were going from one dance rehearsal to singing lessons to uh, prepping or blocking for the scene for later that day. Uh, and now that I'm older and I look back and I'm a little bit more educated on uh, this process for for the dynamic of television, I mean, it's insane. It was really wild. Of course, we didn't know any different. Um, but now when I look back, yeah, rehearsal was something was constantly going on during your day. There was very minimal downtime. Well, with that that minimal downtime, too, since everybody was of that young age, I guess, how did you fit in the schoolwork in between all that? Yeah, they uh, they were very strict on making sure that the curriculum was getting taken care of. What they did was it was the first three hours of the day, so we would start at 9. Uh, and when you think about, and this was explained to me, and it was pretty incredible, when you take out um, extracurricular classes that maybe aren't really necessary as far as academics is concerned in school and walking to each class and lunch and all that, and you really get down to just the academics, it's really about three hours a day. So we had tutors on set 
from 9 to 12. So school was first. We'd be done at 12. We would eat lunch. And then starting at 1 till about 5 or 6 in the afternoon, we did start either rehearsal or the filming process of the show. Now, I guess with that, too, knowing that you had rehearsals coming up and things like that, too, did it make focusing sometimes on the schoolwork kind of hard where you're just anxious to get out of there and, you know, move on to the next thing? Absolutely. Um, you're dealing with puberty, growing up, responsibilities, trying to uphold the Disney image, plus take care of your schoolwork. It was uh, it was a lot. It was a lot. And it was very difficult because you also had all these A-type personalities in a schoolroom. <laughs> performing, singing, dancing. I mean, you got to imagine it was a full class of class clowns, right? Everybody was, you know, extroverts and uh, distracting each other. So that, that was where it really got difficult, uh, was was trying to stay focused and pay attention on what was in front of you as far as schoolwork is concerned. Meanwhile, Chase is putting on a skit in the corner, you know. Um, but but it was great, and it was good. And they were Disney was really great about making sure, though, that we all stayed on the curriculum for our grade that we were in. Well, you know, I guess with that, too, you know, like you said, it was one of those things hitting puberty growing up. I guess, you know, when you first got started on there and doing a lot of these skits and finding your rhythm and that, of course, you know, growing up and moving forward, I guess, what was it like with those skits? Like, did you ever look back, like, from a previous season? And you're like, oh, man, I remember doing that one. That one was so corny. But then you're like, I really want to do this one because now you're just growing up as well. Yeah, there was a, there was one that I had a very, very difficult time with doing. Uh, even at 12 years old, I wanted to maintain a cool image and edgy, and uh, it was Turtle Diner. Um, and me and Joe Kirley, the director, kept going round and round because the way that I was portraying this character was uh, kind of slow and dumb. And he kept going, he's slow, but he's not dumb. you got to, like, make him smart, but he's slow. And I didn't want to be in the turtle suit. And, of course, I'll never forget <laughs> a young lady that I was, uh, was dating at the time just – Cutie Pie was came and set in the audience that day of shooting this particular skit while I'm in this turtle suit with green tights, um, and it was very difficult. And it was probably so evident that I didn't want to do it that they gave it to another cast member because they redid that skit again. But I was out of it. So uh, yes, you know we all have our childhood. Um, maybe pictures, if you will, or outfits that you'd like to bury forever, but we can't. You know, it's all out there now on YouTube. Um, so you just have to, like, take it in stride and realize that that was the era. The hair was big. The outfits were obnoxious. And it is what it is. Uh, and it's all, I mean, there's so many skits now on YouTube, it's, it's out of control. <laughs> well, and like you said, those outfits were something else. And of course, that's going to lead us to when you guys formed the party, which everybody loved the party. It was fantastic group. I mean, it's one of those that I remember listening to and watching you guys evolve from the show into that, I guess, that first pop band from the Disney brand there. And of course, the clothing, you know, who could forget, you know, Damon wearing suede pants and Chase having high hair. But with that... <laughs> With that, I guess, you know, we've had you guys on in the past. And, you know, I guess, what was that like when they first made the group the party? I guess, one, how did everyone get selected out of a cast of so many different great, talented people? Yeah, the um, Hollywood Records was formed, uh, which was like touchstone to Disney. And it was kind of a no-brainer to grab some of the kids um, from the show and form a group. Uh, if you look back, what's interesting is huh, five of the original members of the party actually did a dance performance on the Mickey Mouse Club, and it was called The Party Train, which was a cover of Gap Band. 
Um, I think there's a little foresight that was going on there. I think Mr. Eisner uh, started seeing footage, started seeing the older kids, the chemistry, saw that particular number, and then went, ah, let's see here, and maybe put together the name of the group. Um, this is my personal opinion, you know. But uh, this is pre-NSYNC. This is pre-Backstreet Boys. This is pre-Britney. This is pre-all that. We really didn't have any mentors to look up to or foresee what a career could become other than the new kids on the block. But they were kind of separate entity. They weren't Disney, and they were already huge. Uh, we didn't see the process of the beginning of that. You know what I mean? So um, it was amazing, but it was very unknown. Um, and we cut our teeth for Hollywood Records, I'd like to say, or at least they cut their teeth using us as their first signed act. Uh, amazing experience. Huge funding from Disney, so we worked with some amazing producers, some of the biggest in the business, from Dr. Dre to, to Jelly Bean Benitez. So as a now you're talking 13, 14, 15-year-old to be in a studio with, like, Teddy Riley, who was one of my idols, was just surreal. It was incredible, you know. Well, definitely. You know, and with that first album and, you know, coming out, did you ever think that Summer Vacation would become this huge hit that people still to this day, I, you know, there's times I will hear that song from somebody's backyard every time or, you know, people are like, oh, remember that video? And I guess, did you think it was going to be as big as it really is? No, you never see that coming. And uh, I remember that day in the studio at Delicious Vinyl like it was yesterday. Uh, it was uh, um, a very non, how can I say this? I mean, the studio was just kind of this thrown together, rough, uh, you know, kind of rough atmosphere. It was kind of in the hood in L.A. They had a bathtub in there for acoustics. And there, me and Albert were in there, and we kind of started writing the lyrics on the spot. And uh, some of it, it's just amazing. I never foresaw that it would take off like it did. And then to hear it on the radio for the first time was huge because really we didn't even know if we would get radio play. You know, that's not a guarantee. Nobody, you, you don't know that going into recording an album. So, uh, the fact that it, it still got some legacy is, it's just awesome. That's awesome. Well, you know, and it, you guys went on to do a variety of different albums, of course, you know, hitting it big with MTV with, you know, Dawkins cover of In My Dreams, of course, Free, which I think is a great artistic album. And of course, the uh, uh, the party's over. Thanks for coming. I guess out of all four of these albums, which one is your absolute favorite? I know it's like picking your favorite child, but I guess which one was your favorite to actually work on and artistically that you felt was the most accomplished? Uh, Free was definitely... Um the uh the album that i really feel we started evolving and started maturing and started kind of um becoming more i guess more uh our, our vision was really getting sharpened then and uh you know there's no telling what could have came another two three four years from the spawn of that album um but working on free was incredible. And, and Hollywood Records really started letting us have more freedom and creative say. You know, uh, I got to write lyrically for I Want You. Um, a lot of us started kind of going off and, and asking who we wanted to work with as producers. And then we would go in sessions and we would start writing and creating. And that was awesome. So I'm very, very proud of, of that album. I'm proud of I Want You, that track. Uh, and, and yes, Dee Dee's In My Dreams was 
obviously uh, one of our biggest hits, and her vocals was just insane. But when I'm doing the track I Want You on the free album, and I say, damn, Dee Dee sounds good, doesn't she? That was a genuine response to me hearing her sing the chorus for the first time because she did her vocals separate. So as I go into the booth and I'm hearing it through the headphones, I'm really telling the producer at the time, I'm like, this is it. She sounds insane. I mean, <laughs> the voice on this little girl, where the heck did this come from? So, um, yeah, not to go on a tangent, man, but Free, very proud of that album. Well, you know, and with that, like you said, you guys really had a chance to grow, change, be different. The music videos were awesome on that kind of album as well. And you had that artistic freedom. Now, I guess looking back over the years, too, and being part of the party, uh, and of course, the all-new Mickey Mouse Club. All right, one, how many times do people approach you around the street? And two, how many times do the women ask you to say, here we go? <laughs> I love it. It's so funny because you'll go years without this ever surfacing, and then all of a sudden, the last few weeks, like, this has been coming up. Um, and me and my wife were just talking about this the other day. You know, there's just some uh, public figures that have this thing that sticks, you know. Uh, and again, being at Delicious Vinyl for summer vacation, that was me and Albert just having fun. The guy, the producer at the time says, hey, man, we're going to take it from the top. And I just said, here we go, here we go, here we, here we go. And he kept it, put it at the beginning of the song, and it stuck. Um, so, yeah, the last few weeks, a few people have commented on that. It's even come up on social media, which is hilarious to me. Um, and, you know, it just goes in waves. You can go six, seven months and no one may recognize you, and then you go one week and, and four to five people, you may be out in public, and they'll come up and say, hey, you know, are you by chance uh, Damon from the group or whatever? And uh, it just happened last weekend, and it's a shock now because, you know, you're older. We're talking almost 27 years. Actually, it is 27 years. So it, it, it's more of a surprise, and you're gracious, and, and, and you just love it. You know, you love hearing the positive feedback and the fact that we were a part of their childhood. All that's awesome. You know, anybody that tells you otherwise is lying. Um, to get recognized for something that you loved doing and it was a part of your, your childhood, I mean, that's great. It's awesome. Well, you know, and like you said, you know, we're all getting older. We're all getting, you know, I guess uh, more refined, you know, myself. You know, we all at some point had to grow up or have kids, get married. And I guess with that, though, the party actually had a reunion as well. You know, we had you guys on live from the studio back then, I guess. What was it like getting back together with everybody to cut a new album and new tracks? And, of course, a new summertime track that was more geared towards, I guess, uh, people our age who grew up with you guys. And now we're ready to have a drink or two. Yeah, um, it, the, the, it, it had been in the works for a while. It had been talked about for a while. And then finally, uh, a gentleman in Cleveland, Ohio, who was tied into me and Albert's past, um, contacted us and said, hey, we were going to make this thing happen. And he started spearheading the reunion of the party. And Cleveland, Ohio was our base because that's where he was from. His cousin, Don, uh, was part owner of the studio, so it was a no-brainer. And uh, it was therapeutic. It was amazing. It was honestly the most fun I've ever had in my life. And, and uh, creating again in the studio with those three talented individuals was epic for me. Uh, you have to understand, I mean, Albert, Chase, and Dee Dee are incredible vocalists. It's, you know, I'm the rapper, the screamer, the yeller, whatever you want to call it, the hype man. 
and now to be older, back in the studio with him, they they were pushing the limits vocally, and I had to try to keep up, man. It was incredible, but challenging, but again, therapeutic, and it was just, it was awesome. It was awesome. Now, I guess with that, too, with uh, coming back and somebody that wanted to start that revival of the party, I guess, were you guys shocked at the response from everybody who was waiting for this, who were like, I, I, you know, I grew up with you guys, and I guess, was it more overwhelming than you expected it would be? Yes, and if you go, I don't know if it's able to be found online, but our first stage it that we did, which is really the first time that we publicly came back as a group and we were able to be seen all together, we did a stage it there in the studio in Cleveland. We were out of control. We're talking over each other. You can't really understand what's going on. We are ecstatic. The fans are giving us, you know, incredible love and support. And it was really the first time that we had the epiphany, wow, this is happening. I mean, this is going down. So uh, we were. We were, to answer your question, blown away at the response. Um, it had been so many years. You just didn't know what was going to happen. And the love was phenomenal. It was so great. It was just awesome. Now, I guess with that, moving on from, you know, being part of the party, of course, you've done so many different things as well. You know, been part of other things like MTV's Undressed and so much more. But also, as of recently, uh, you know, you were also part with another Mouseketeer who we've had as a previous guest here on the show, Lindsay Alley. I guess, uh, how did you get reconnected with her uh, as of recently with her stage show? She, she, I did hear, I have been hearing about this show for years and how incredible it was. And to be completely honest with you, I had never seen it. Um, but I had heard that it is just phenomenal. And, of course, I know her talents and that she's amazing. And I guess it's just part of that nostalgia. Uh, it's the same It's the same thing that runs parallel with the new kids on the block deciding to go and tour now, you know, in a few years ago. It's recognizing their fan base, that age, the nostalgia, uh, and it's just a timing thing. So knowing of that show, and I said, you know what, I really want to bring it here to my hometown um, and put this thing on, and I think it'll get a great response, and it did. I mean, we had people come in from San Antonio, Dallas, New Jersey, Florida for this one-woman show in this small theater here in Houston. So uh, all I did was bring Lindsay in and kind of set the, you know, the stage for her. I cannot take any credit for that at all. Call it the host, if you will, and just opened up the show with Chase. Chase came in for it, too. And it was all about her. It was her show. It's her vision. And we cried. We were laughing. We were standing ovation in the middle of the thing. I mean, she killed it. She did an amazing, um, um, amazing job. Well, you know, and with you being able to actually see it then now, apparently it did live up to your expectations then. Absolutely. A great comment, by the way. Uh, Chase said, get ready, man. I'm telling you, she's going to blow you away. And it did. It really did. She takes you on a journey. You're cracking up. You, you're, you're sympathizing with her. You're, you're, you're just, it, she was incredible. And I think because me and Chase were there, um, and she told her mother this later, I found out, that it was one of her best shows. Uh, and that's coming from her mouth. I mean, she literally told her mom, she goes, Mom, that was one of my best shows because I think there was just such a 
sentimental feel in that audience that night. Very cool. Now, I guess with that and being sentimental and whatnot like that, of course, you know, since uh, all new MMC has started so many years ago, of course, that means we also have coming up the 30th anniversary of that. I guess, uh, is there anything planned for that or maybe some talks or rumblings or maybe you guys are just going to have a get together and a big grill out in somebody's backyard? Yes, there has been talk. I think the Blood, Sweat, Mouseketeers uh, taking place really kind of stirred, started stirring it up. Um, I'm sure it would probably take place in Orlando. There's nothing official yet. Now, personally for me um, and Mr. Dale, another uh, cast member of the Mickey Mouse Club that came on after us, um, you know, I've been trying to be in communication with him in regards to an actual televised reunion. I need people to listen right now or our listeners to, to try to think about if you could really pull in all the castmates and come together for a one-hour special on an NBC and do interviews, do documentary style, do some live performances. I mean, would that not be epic? This would be insane. Again, because of the careers that have spawned, have spawned from the show, uh, could you imagine it all on one stage? So obviously right now it's a dream. Um, we all want it, but, you know, that's a tough thing to try to pull off, man. And then do some of these other castmates want to be a part of something like that? We don't know. Um, so right now nothing's official to answer your question. I'm sure we will be getting together um, uh, as a uh, – I'm sure the crew, the castmates and all that, something's going to be formed where we're going to be able to join. But I would love to put a project together to where our fans – could be able to uh, to witness this this reunion as well. Well, definitely, you know, and like you said, it's it, the time is now because you know you look back to when you guys performed with the original Musketeers, and it was you know their thirty fifth and fortieth anniversary for their generation. You know, the time is now for you guys to come in and indoctrinate maybe a new incarnation of the MMC and have you guys have your thirtieth celebration as well. So you know, I think it, I think it's something that is long overdue and something that television needs uh that it's truly lacking nowadays in some kind of fun sunday night exclusive special right yeah nicely said let's 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 look at two events that took place that started a frenzy one i'd say about three years ago uh the one and only tony luca was a contestant on the voice with christina aguilera as one of the judges and literally the mmc footage went viral um and that was pretty epic and, and incredible. And then just recently on the Oscars, um, Justin Timberlake opening up the Oscars and just giving some love and a hug to the one and only Ryan Gosling started a frenzy online. So the demand is there. Um, again, the careers are pretty incredible. So I'd love to see it happen. And I think it would, it would be so well, um, the response would just be, I think, you know, off the chain. So we'll see, but uh, you know that 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 machine Disney baby, they uh, it would they would somebody a uh, heads up from Disney would have to get involved to really I think pull this off. Well, definitely, you know, and if it did happen, I, I would have to say the one thing that I would expect though is to have the theme song, the uh, the circle bubble with everybody name calling with your uh, varsity jackets on. <laughs> it would be a must. Uh, for sure. Absolutely. That roll call would be incredible now 30 years later, wouldn't it? Whoa! 
<laughs> well, we know you're busy, a lot of different things on the horizon, things like that, I guess, with so much stuff going on. You know, we want to take this time, you know, thank you for stopping in here, chatting with all of us, taking this trip down memory lane, the future, and so much more. I guess for all of your fans out there, fans of Damon, fans of everything you've done, is there any final words you'd like to leave out there for all those fans out there that grew up with you, pass it on to their kids, or, you know, struggling uh, struggling women still who uh, see you on the street and still have that heartthrob? Oh, yeah, I tell you, first off, thank you for having me. Um, absolute honor to be a part of this, and we really appreciate all the kind words. And, uh, you know, I think you've seen a lot of great careers and talent flourish from that show, and it's not going to stop. There's um, a lot of stuff in the works that I'm aware of that maybe the public's not aware of, and people, um, or I should say individuals from the cast that are working on certain things that are going to be pretty epic. So just keep your eyes peeled. Of course, social media now keeps us abreast of everything. Um, and I just appreciate the love. And if you see me on the street, come up and give me a hug and tell me that, uh, you know, I was a part of your childhood. We, we love all that. Well, it was our pleasure having you stop in once again, Damon, and taking this time with us and, uh, you know, wish you the best and thanks once again for stopping in. Absolutely. Thank you for having me.
Cooper and their dealings with dressed envelope to Davis and Kirk. Right down that you know, ever since I was little, the music was just always there. I started, like, um, getting into, at the end of the year, school talent shows. And ever since my first one, everybody was, like, blown away. So every year, it's like, what's he doing? What's he doing? What's he got on his sleeve? So I had to, like, make it better than the last time, and it was just a challenge for me. The main thing I really love about being on the road and also being associated with the party is being with the people that you care the most about. Hi, Damon Pampolina from the all-new Mickey Mouse Club, the original cat, as well as the group The Party. Thank you guys for tuning in. You're listening to the all-new GizRadio.com. Just pray for us, you guys, because this is really scary. Club MT. We're really happy to be here. Welcome back, downtown at the Palladium in New York City, and we've got some very special guests for you that are doing so well right now. They've actually been on the road with Taylor Dane, High Five, Vanilla Ice, and, uh, but they do have a following all of their own, and uh, they seem to like them here, so we're going to give up the Club MTV stage for a group of teens that have done a cover of a Dokken song. They're called The Party.
How would you like to introduce yourselves? It's Judy. Damon. Damon. Albert. Tiffany. Chase. And together they are the party. Well, I've noticed, I don't know who wants to take this upon themselves, but on the album you've got lots of like different tastes. Um, do you all individually have different tastes in music? Yeah, well look at us, we're all different people, so we like to express ourselves in our music. And each one of us, all of our songs are different on the album. They certainly are. You've got certainly a wide variety, a wide variety of talent, and thanks a lot for coming down to Club MTV. Ooh, do the bomb. That's about all we've got time for. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Downtown Julie Brown and the party signing off. Wubba, 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 goodbye. Hey, D-Heads, when you aren't enjoying Disney On Demand, head on over to DizRadio.com and listen to our famous Lifetime of Disney player, where you can while away the hours reliving Disney classics from film, television, and the parks. What are you waiting for? Keep your hands and arms inside at all times and go to DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio.com. And have a magical day. Hey there, D-Heads. Paige here with an all-new Magical Music Review. This week, I'm pulling two soundtracks off the shelf that I've wanted to look at for a while. In 2005, we were introduced to four siblings that entered a magical realm that led to a great adventure. And in 2008, we were reunited with the siblings for another adventure, 1300 years later. Of course, I'm talking about the movies based on the books, The Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, The Witch, and The Wardrobe, and Prince Caspian. Both film scores were composed by Harry Gregson Williams, who also composed the score for the Tigger movie, which we looked at a few weeks ago on show number 167. Gregson Williams employed the Hollywood Studio Symphony Orchestra, a 75-piece ensemble which was also employed for the Pirates of the Caribbean films, to record the score, along with a 140-member choir comprised mostly of the Bach Choir, as well as the Apollo Voices and the Crouch End Festival Chorus. I have a selection from each film's scores, as well as each film's closing credit songs queued up and ready to go. Follow me through the wardrobe as we join the Pevensies, Caspian, and all our favorite fantasy creatures as we journey into the music from the Chronicles of Narnia, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and the Chronicles of Narnia, Prince Caspian. The quintessential moment in the first film is when Lucy discovers the entryway to Narnia. The wardrobe starts out in a piano, mezzo-pianic dynamic, growing into a mezzo-forte as the song progresses. The whole mood of the song has a sense of wonder, mystery, and excitement to it. With no dialogue present in the scene, the music helps to draw the audience in to see what Lucy has discovered. A solo flute comes into the song as Lucy enters into Narnia and finds the lamppost, passing to a solo clarinet before coming together with a choir to add to the sound, along with hushed violins throughout and different mallet instruments. At the end of the piece, the sound darkens and the intensity and urgency picks up as the audience prepares for Lucy to meet Mr. Tumnus, who comes upon her in the woods.
When the Pevensies returned to Narnia and Prince Caspian, they discover themselves to be at the ruins of Ker Paravel, their former home. They find a passageway down to a treasury and discover their belongings where they left them untouched for hundreds of years. Kings and Queens of Old starts with a solo French horn joined by clarinet and flute in a sorrowful sound, representing the kings and queens coming to grips with what they are seeing and what has happened since they left. As the song progresses, the violins and lower voices become more prominent as the dynamic grows and our characters discover the treasury. The mood changes to the familiar feel of wonder and excitement as they rediscover their belongings and really realize that they have in fact returned. A sense of great regal pride also falls on the sound before returning to the more sorrowful sound as they really begin to realize just how long they've been gone.
To save some time, I'm going to combine our last two selections, which are the credit songs for each film. The first is Can't Take It In, performed by Emojin Hep. Co-writing the song with Grayson Williams, Hep has said that the writing process for a family film song was difficult, needing to be more descriptive and less electronic. The song itself was written, recorded, produced, and mixed in the course of one week. Staying relatively light and full of wonder throughout makes it a great ending to the fantasy film. The ending to Prince Caspian is not as lighthearted. Following in the darker, heavier sound that goes through most of the film's score, the call, performed by Regina Spector, is much more sorrowful and reflective. While the first film ends with the Pevensies returning home and preparing to describe their unbelievable adventure to the Professor, the second film ends as the children consciously make the decision to leave and have to say goodbye once more to Narnia. Heavily featuring the violins and low brass to give the song a nice, deep sound, the song pulls on the emotions as the film comes to a close. This week is up. Thanks for coming back once again to Disney On Demand and for sticking around for another magical music review. Be sure to check us out on Facebook at our new official page, Diz Radio, and our group, The D Wire. Have a wonderful rest of your week, D Heads, and until next time, see ya! No need to say
prophecy, the two sons of Adam and two daughters of Eve will appear to defeat the White Witch. And put an end to this hundred year winter. I think you've made a mistake. We're not heroes. There's no mistake. Aslan is on the move. of Narnia rests on your courage. If it's a war Aslan wants, it's a war he shall get. Do not win a battle. No, but I bet they help. It's Disney Blues. Disney on demand. Ooh, I thought you were dead. With your host, Jonathan Johnson. What? My dad gave it to me. It shows exactly where we are on the planet. Boop, beep, 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 boop, boop. Was this baby? We'll never be alone. You just tell the man you want to go back to your mother. All right, all of you D-heads, so I am back, and I hope you enjoyed this week's show. It was a fun, fantastic romp. I want to extend a very special thank you once again to the talented Damon Pampolina for stopping in here, chatting with us, and, of course, giving us all those memories and the magic from all the different years with the party, the Mickey Mouse Club, and, of course, looking into the future. So thank you, Damon, once again for stopping in, chatting with us, and I am looking forward to that 30th anniversary reunion. we got to make it happen no matter how that is going to come about. We have to make that one happen. So thanks, Damon, once again for stopping in and chatting with all the D-heads and, of course, all of your fans. I'd also like to thank the D-team of Aaron, Paige, Dominic for all stopping in here this week with their signature segments. Without the D-team, you'd have nothing more than me rambling week in and week out, which I know could get very tedious and boring. And remember, you can always connect up with the D-team on our official website at DizRadio.com. And finally, thank you. Yes, thank you, the D-Heads. Without you, there would be no show at all. For the last seven years, it is you, the D-Heads, that have kept us going, kept us alive, and keep us bringing you the magic and memories from your lifetime of Disney every single week. So thank you, the D-Heads, for making the magic, making the fun, and giving us the honor to bring these shows to you every single week. So next week for show number 176, as we jump into May, we have a fun show planned for you. But before I give you hints as to who's going to be stopping in here next week, I do want to give you all the different ways you can stay connected here at the show. And first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z-Radio.com. There you can find our full list of past shows, the complete podcast archives, our latest news blogs, and more right there on our official website at DizRadio.com. D-I-Z-Radio.com. You can also connect up with us all over the social media outlet on Facebook.com slash Diz Radio Show. That's D-I-Z Radio 
show, S-H-O-W. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and many other places. Just search Disney Blue, that's B-L-U, Disney On Demand, or Diz Radio, D-I-Z Radio, all of which are going to help you find our fun, magical, unique, special kind of Disney show. And remember, if you just need the magic instantly in your ears, all you have to do is subscribe through iTunes and Stitcher Radio. It is that easy. Go to iTunes or Stitcher Radio, look up Disney On Demand, Disney Blue, or Diz Radio, and subscribe right there and get the magic, the memories, and of course, our celebrity guests instantly in your ears as they get released. It is that simple. Now, if I've just been rambling on for the last two minutes, and you're like, I have no clue what he just said, go to DizRadio.com, D-I-Z Radio.com, and there you can find all those links, the magic, and so much more. So all VD has, with that said, it is out of the way. Next week, we jump into show number 176, and we have a fun one. Think of a galaxy far, far away. Think of sitting down, taking those moments, and hanging out with your loved ones and your children and reading a good book at night. And we have a very special guest stopping in here next week. I'm going to leave it at that, all VD heads. So until next week, as I always say, slow down, take time, and never neglect family for business. That is the most important, the most important thing that I can leave you with every single week. And remember, life is nothing but a party. So until next week, have fun, make the magic, make the memories, and I'll catch you online. Have fun making that party happen this week. Oh, I just don't know. <laughs> it's old, man. It's old. Who cares? Oh, hell with it. Here we go.
Thank you for tuning in to Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. The content and thoughts expressed are those of the show and not the Disney company. Now go on and relive the magic, memories, and appreciation from your lifetime of Disney. See you real soon.